to begin, let's go begin with a little bit of a conceptual background. Meaning, I've got a few ideas I'd like to open up for discussion. Apparently, the group discussion in this in this group is of high quality. That I've been warned. So, so I just want to present a few a few ideas and to challenge a few notions about how marriage works and bring a few sources which point in a particular direction and then we'll, uh, we'll take it from there. So uh, it's famous what, what Rashi points out uh, in the creation of man. When man is created okay so we'll get them with the goidam trick. And hi, hi. So, so that's basically, you know, that's basically the the secret to everlasting happiness and a good marriage. Now, I want to go on to the next point, and that is, oh gosh. No, so we're just f finishing off on the secret to marriage and everlasting happiness. <laughs> you missed that point, so we'll go on to. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so we, we we're about to discuss the strange way that the Psukim describe the creation of man and woman and see if that bears any indication to the way we should deal with the relationship of marriage. So Hashem created man, but in his image, but in the image of God he created him. And then it says a very strange thing. Zachar Male and female, he created them. So there's Rashi points out famously that when man was created, it says he was created, there's a dispute, but essentially Rashi says that when the first man was created, he has created <coughs> male and female. Meaning there was never ever an, an, an idea that there was a creation of a man. There's a creation of what's called an androgynous being who could reproduce, reproduce without, within his own right. In other words, there was a being which was male and female combined, and that being was the first man. In other words, the idea that there was man created and then some point in time he had this rib and the rib was made into a woman is not really what the psukim reflect. What the psukim reflect is there was always two. And the question is, how the two were either connected or disconnected. So when the pastor goes on and describes um, in more depth the creation of man, it says, Lo tov adam It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helpmate. Connecto is a difficult word. Against him, opposite him, We'll discuss that in, in more depth. But essentially what happens is, so there's man and female and female created, and then Hashem says, it's not good for man to be alone. But man wasn't alone. Sorry. In other words, man was never alone. Man was always together. So what does it mean when it says man was not, was not alone? This is interactive. It means that meaning he w it's not good for him to be alone it's not good for him to be one being, one being. Yeah. 
It's not good for you. In other words, it's not good for this male and female to be bound together. And then the next verse says, not the next verse, but a few verses later. Um, so a tzela doesn't mean a rib, a tzela means a side. That's what Rashi says. So you had this being. This being was male and female. And Hashem understood that it's not good for male and female to be bound together. So he separated them and he made them separate. And then it says after that, Then a man should leave his mother and his father. And he should cleave to his wife, and they should be as one flesh. So seemingly the process goes as follows. Man is created, but he's not man. He's man and woman, male and female. So he created the male and female. Step number one. Step number two. This isn't good. We have to do something about this. This is the Abishta. This is really not good. We have to try to fix up this situation where you have male and female together. Solution will separate them and then separate them and then tell them you have to be together seems a bit silly just leave them you know everything was hunky-dory to begin with wow. so you have them together then you say no 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 it's not good they should be together so you separate them and you say go and then you have to be together so what's our process going on over here You have to be careful about projecting. For some <laughs> so, uh, no, you never do that. <laughs> so, because if, if, if this being is just one being, I don't understand why Hashem had to make this one being to begin yeah. with. But I can understand why um, He had to separate them. Because if it's just one being, it's like the it's like the question, why don't kids grow on trees? You know, because like. In order, in order for. Oh, sorry, no, I've never heard that question. <laughs> 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 I'm not ready, man. Right. Yeah. No, they, they might be. No, we It's the type of thing where, like, this kind of relationship between man and woman helps you get closer to Hashem. Like, if it was just one being, they'd be self sufficient, and then they wouldn't need Hashem. Like, they wouldn't need to develop okay. a relationship with Hashem. Because okay. two people together need Hashem's help. But the one person, <laughs> that's, that's how I see it. I got you. Okay. If it's one person, like two forces, so there's not really any interaction. So like right. Um, it's just one being. You separate them, then they have like interaction between them. Brilliant. 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 So, <laughs> okay. So there you go. That was a share. <laughs> <laughs> so that is part one. Part one is that there's a very widely popularized notion, and I, just, I don't want to say it's wrong, but I want to challenge it, that what is the essence of marriage? What is it based upon? So over here you see, in other words, just maybe to flesh out a little bit about what you've both said, and that is, you've got them together and you separate them so they can be together. So essentially the goal is they should go back to what they were before. But the fact is that they should now go back to where they, what they were before. In other words, realize an original state of unity, but do so through choice and not through hechrech, and not through imp- not that's imperative, not that it must be. They have to choose it. Now, what's the difference between the choice to become one and being one by nature? So I'd like to suggest that it's a 
completely different level of depth when it's chosen. It's not that, it's ironically, the connection that you choose to have is way deeper than the connection which is by nature. I'll give you an example. The whole male and female relationships are used across the board to express the idea of emuna. Emuna means that um, there's a real connection to something. It's real. Emuna is reality. In other words, emuna is always described as both being faithful and having faith in. It's both. In other words, in the, 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 the first time emuna is mentioned in the Torah, and not the first time, but one of the classic times is mentioned is with Moshe Rabbeinu. He's standing at the wall of Amalek, and he's he- holding up his hands. When he holds up his hands, so then Amalek wins, and when, he, when they lower it, so then they... Then then, so when they hold it up, the Jews win, and when they when he doesn't hold it up, the Jews lose. So he has to hold up his hands. So it says Hayu yadav emuna, and his hands were emuna, meaning what? That they were faithful. The idea of faith of emuna means that you live up to an expectation because it's real. Emuna means that there's something real going on the other side. In other words, emuna is reflected by consistency. If a person is a neman, you can rely on them to always be there for you. Even though they're not here right now. So now, imagine you've got this chair. Now, what makes this chair one is that all the parts are connected. And the reason why I know the chair is one is because I can see it and I can feel it. What happens if I could have a chair and I couldn't see the chair? I wouldn't know if the, I, it wouldn't be possible for me to tell if the leg is connected or not. How would I know? In other words, I wouldn't see. I wouldn't see the rest of the chair. I'd only be able to see the leg. How would I know if the ne- leg is connected or not? So, if I saw a person moving something about that I couldn't see, and the leg moved with it, I knew that the leg is connected to that. In other words, when two things are connected, even though you don't see the one, if the other one moves in correspondence to it, so you see that there's a connection between them. Another example um, to understand the idea of emuna. The idea of emuna is that when you have a relation to someone where the connection is real, so then even though you can't see one, in a, one another, the connection that you have is expressed by your sense of knowing. person is um, at a simcha, and he's... It's, it, well, this actually happened to someone. He's at a shalom zachar, and he's waiting for his brother to come. And it was a very cold winter night and it was pouring with rain and uh, people say is your brother coming? he says sure he's coming he says you know it's far and it's raining he says my brother's coming he says you know there's no way he's going to go he's in this weather there's no way so of course he's going to come and in the end he turned up that's called emuna emuna means that the connection between you there's something real there's something that it's not, it's, not, it's not false. You know, a false relationship which has no emuna means that you can't rely on the other person, meaning the connection is not real. Sometimes, if a person has, a, has emuna, it's a neman in gym. It means not that they go one day and they don't go the other day. If gym is a reality with them, so they're always there. They never miss because it's a reality. In other words, emuna is the consistency reflects an inner reality. Yes? Sorry, I didn't mean that bring up the gym <laughs> but you know what emuna is when there's a consistent behavior like when you want to test a scientific experiment if something repeats itself time after time so you know that thing's a reality so when you see repetition you understand that's a reflection of an inner reality 
So what emuna is, is by consistent behavior, you describe a connection to something. Is that clear? Now, male and female relationships are the ultimate expression of emuna. Emuna means that there's a real connection. The connection that you have, even though you're apart, is much more meaningful than when you're stuck together. Because when you're apart and you stay connected, so there are many forces which threaten to separate you. If you still live up to the connection, so the connection is more valuable than when you're connected and you can't be separated. So ironically, the separation creates the connection. You're with me? In other words, that's the deeper understanding of why you need to be separated. Because by Dafka separating, the bond formed is a much closer bond. Because the, what stands to wither, wither it away is much more powerful. And if you still remain faithful, so it means the connection is a way, way deeper connection. So that's what we have. So therefore, the point of the separation was to create an even deeper connection. But what does a deeper connection create? It creates a original plan. What was the original plan? To be together. It's okay. So we just discussed the secret to marriage and everlasting happiness. <laughs> what we're going to be discussing next is, um, is meat and milk. <laughs> okay, so we discussed the separation of man, even though the creation, the original being was created male and female. They were separated in order they should regain the unity that they had before. Because when you choose to connect to another, even though there are forces which threaten to separate you, and you make the choice to stay connected, the choice is more meaningful, and it shows a deeper connection than if you're forced to be together. That's basically what I've said, so you didn't miss much. <laughs> Feel sorry for all other people that just did. <laughs> Ten minutes ago. Okay, so, that's, so, that, so now you've got this connection. So now... What have you got? You've got the original Adam. Now the Zachar and the Nekeva, if it's successful, become one. In other words, Vahayula Basar Echad means they now become one. Good? So in other words, the goal of marriage is regaining the unity. Now, let me ask you a question. How would you describe the relationship? Let's say I want you to do this. How would you describe the relationship between, say I want you, I want you to turn the page. Now, I'm using my right hand. Right? And I'm using my left hand to support it. How would you describe the relationship between my two hands? They're working together. They're working together. Now, what happens if I'm busy turning the page and the left hand says, Ah, please, please, please. I'll do it for you. Would that be a clever thing or a not clever thing to do? Without projecting issues about doing dishes, I'm saying, would that be a... <laughs> In other words, what happens if you, you're lifting up the, and you want to read, oh. and, and, and the, 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 the right hand says, um, no, no, don't worry, I'll do it by myself. Yeah. It's much more clumsy. Okay, now you have to turn the page. Don't worry, I can manage. One second. One second. <laughs> there you see. There you go. That's silly. In other words, th think, think how much better it would be if you lift it up like this and when you want to turn the page, you go like that. that that's, that's working together. In other words, when you work together, you can actually do something that you can't do by yourself. So now, if you describe the relationship between husband and wife as a single organism, which you've all agreed is the relationship, do you now all understand that if you try to bring giving into marriage, you're going to destroy the relationship? 
giving as the fundamental point of marriage, you're going to destroy the relationship. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, I'm just casting. Only one thing. Man and, and God. No, I'm joking. Go on. When, um, when Hashem created like Adam, this being, he yeah. was literally physically one being. Yes. When man and woman come together, they're not physically, literally one being walking. Like they're not. It's not the same. It's, it's not the same. You're right. They're not stuck together. I think that's true, as far as I can see. Right, but I'm saying if things would have stayed the way... No, because it's true. No, 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 because because the goal is, the goal is that that even when you're separate, you're together. That's a deeper sense of togetherness. In other words, you can be in different parts of the world and be together. Uh, There's a a shocking story, you know, back... Some of the great Baile Musa used to be separated from their wives for extended periods of time. There's a story about Rabbi Rucham Levavitz, who is a mashkech in the Mary Shiva. And he used to literally come back every six months for Pesach and Sukkot. Which is, imagine living there, and he did that for 12 years. So 12 years of marriage, of seeing husband and wife, seeing each other for a period of a couple of weeks, maybe four weeks a year. And he once invited a couple to come with him, and they said, the couple said, they've never seen two people more in love. In other words, the greater that Imuna is, and the connection is, the further apart you can be. The weaker it is, the closer together you have to be. So you see people when they first, first are married, or you see it in the secular, or secular world a lot, the more insecure people are about their relationship, the more on top of each other they are. In other words, they're clinging to each other because they feel if they let go, they've lost a the person. Whereas the more secure you are in your relationship, the further away you can be. So the deeper the connection, in terms of reality, the further apart you can be physically, the weaker the connection, the closer you have to be physically. Because there's nothing real deep connecting you. Why are you looking at me like that? hundred percent. And I do with ease. And you don't mind. So I think that's maybe something you should tell your husband when you get home. No, we had the church all night. Homework, and they said we have to spend more time apart. But you understand the point, apart from. Yeah, I understand. That. Good. Okay. So now. <laughs> so, so the truth, the truth is, Shoshana and I actually have got a package for a week in the Dead Sea. We, we're not getting a cut at all, and I can assure you. Um, so, so now, if that's true, we, you know, that, that's the point. But now the next thing is that there's a very widely used wart in marriage that it's all based on giving. So I'm just showing you by this analogy that that doesn't work. But why, why, is, why is that? And in other words, like, yeah, that, that's all I ever heard. Like, ahava, has, Yes, give. it's very, very popular. I think the reason why? why it's popular, I think the popularity, it gains so much popularity because the societies that people are brought up in are so self-focused yeah. 
So when people hear something which is go out of yourself, they get very excited because it's, it's a very much it's a very it's a much higher level of existence. And, and and it's true in general that a person has to come out of himself. What I'm saying is in marriage it's not going to be the fundamental point. On the contrary, on marriage it can actually frustrate the whole process. It can it can make things go backwards. Okay. So again, you've got the, 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 this is an analogy, but then I'll try to illustrate it practically. An analogy you understand that you've got two hands. So then it's it's futile for one of them to be a tzaddik and say, "Don't worry, you don't do that. I want to give to you. So I'm going to free you from your obligations because I really want to give to you." In other words, in in the giving model, that the idea would be that the more I give to my spouse, the better my marriage is. So which means if I can take away what they do and do it myself. So better, the better off I am. I'm not saying you don't have to. Sometimes, for example, if this hand is sore and I can't use it, so then the left hand has to take over, or vice versa. You have to. But that's that's in the abnormal situation. In the normal situation, each part of this organism has its function that it's the best at doing. And if you start to try to um, compensate, so it actually frustrates. Uh, let me give you another example. Let's forget the body. Let's talk about a team, a football team, a rugby team, a football team or rugby team. Uh, rugby, rugby team? Rugby team? Can we use rugby as an analogy? <laughs> netball? <laughs> netball? Netball? I don't even know what netball is. Netball? But kids are a team. So if you've got if you if you've got if you've got if you've got a team, let, let's let's talk about a soccer team. You've got a soccer team. So each each man in the team has his position. There's a goalie, there's the defenders, there's the attacker, there's a striker. Now, if, if the goalie decides to be a tzaddik and say, listen, it's wrong that the striker is running up and down, up and down, up and down the field the whole time, I'm going to take the ball away from him and I'm going to try to strike. The problem is that the goals get left empty and the whole team can't function. The functioning of the team is based upon that everyone knows their position and plays accordingly. And then it can work as an organism. When people try to play in the wrong role and they try to do too much, it actually undoes the whole thing. So if you're looking at marriage and the husband and wife as this organism working together, so then if one tries to compensate for the other, it, 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 it creates an imbalance. Now, it has to, it has, marriage has to include that, but it shouldn't be based on that. It has to include what? Giving? Yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, the, where does the giving come in? The giving comes in, uh, comes in the following case. So let, let's okay, just add one more point to this analogy. An organism is only effective when it has a direction and a goal. In other words, what I'm saying now, it comes out that marriage is not the end. Marriage is a means. Meaning, you've got the, the male and female components. They have created separate. To come together, and coming together is not the ultimate goal. Coming together now, now that they've come together, they can do something else. In other words, every, every being is created to do something. So the husband and wife also create to do something. So I'm just going to use this as a marshal, but I think it's appropriate. But don't understand it literally. It's only a analogy. Okay? The, the Torah says that man and male and female are created. And according to most opinions, there's no mitzvah to get married. The mitzvah to get married is a facilitator to having children. Which means as follows. On the metaphorical, it doesn't mean that people have children, don't have children. That's not the point. The point is that by husband and wife combining, they can bring into the world something that if they were separate could not come into the world. Think about it. You have a husband and wife, they could be both highly successful individuals. 
but unless they come together as a, as a couple, they can't create something that without their mutual cooperation could have come into the world. So a child is just an analogy for something that can only be created if both parties participate, each one lending their unique qualities, and by participating they form a new whole which can then become greater than the sum of its parts. Getting that? Yes? So now, <coughs> so we have two stages. First of all, the first stage is you're trying to create a togetherness, a unity, so that you each borrow one another's strengths and weaknesses. You compensate for one another because, you, you know, t- if you take two people and they, they carbon copies of one another, so then it's futile. This is also, this is the reason why when you get married, I can only speak from personal experience, but I hear that it's quite often, you actually married you marry the person and then you get married you get to know them and they actually turn out opposite to what you expected and no uh, just from our personal experience no not <laughs> no, not opposite but you, you you see you see like you see things and so many things are so different that I do things this way and she does things that way or I do things this way and he does things that way in other words it becomes very frustrating that you discover in your marriage gigantic differences now, if you're looking upon marriage as a chesed project, so when you discover the differences and you try to work with them, you think you're a tzaddik every time you say, even though you did that, I'm not going to say a word. Because you identify the differences as a challenge to your ruling of yourself. But if you look upon yourself as a single entity, so the differences are an indication of strengths that that your spouse has that you don't have, and your strengths that she doesn't have can combine to create something that if you weren't together, you could never do. Let me illustrate it. Okay, as Shoshana will affirm, I'm hopelessly, hopeless at practical things. Absolutely pathetic. In other words, Sorry, that's an understatement. No, that, that, that's bad. I, I said I'm hopelessly pathetic, and she said that's an understatement. <laughs> okay? So uh, uh, when it comes to practical things, I'm, I'm shocking. In other words, my brain just doesn't go there. If, it, if there's a simple way of doing something in a complicated way, I'll naturally think of the complicated way. And Shana, on the other hand, is the opposite. In the most complex situation, she somehow manages to find the exactly the best and most practical way. So now, in the beginning of marriage, for like say the first 15 years, that was really hard. <laughs> because what would happen is, I would cause, I, would, I, would say, I don't want to say which one of the couple would cause incredible frustration for, but one of the part of our couple that's anonymous would get extremely frustrated with the other when they didn't do things practically well. <laughs> and, and then, on the other hand, on the other hand, when it comes to abstract thought, so then, oh, so Shoshana's version of abstract thought is welding pieces of things together. Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't, but I'm very abstract. So now, if you take those two parts and you look at them as complementary to one another, and I come up with an abstract idea and Shoshana translates it into practical application, it's unbelievable. It works brilliantly. If you're looking at it as chesed, so then I think, even though she's not abstract, I'm going to overcome myself. I'm not going to say anything about it because I'm such a big <laughs> And I said, so I was just thinking today about it. She said, 
another boring thought. Oh, come on. So then I'll get frustrated. And then on the other hand, she'll, if she's looking at me and she's thinking that she's a big tzaddik, it's because every time I try to draw something, so then five holes appear instead of one. So then she'll get frustrated. But on the other hand, if you understand that we're working together, so then she'll say, listen, I'm not, fr- I'm not, I'm not abstract. Tell me what you think about this idea. And then I'll say, and tell me how you can translate this to action. And then it's brilliant. So if you see yourself as an organism, so differences are incredible, they're fantastic, because that's the clues that show how you're meant to be working together as a whole, and you're not just carbon copies of one another. Imagine if you have two people, and you're, all, you're both exactly the same, so that means you can't produce anything greater than the sum of your parts. But if you have very different strengths, so then you can work together to create something which is way bigger than you could individually. So that's a complete reframing of differences. But it's all based on the same foundation principle. The foundation principle is marriage is a unifying of two parts to create something beyond themselves by borrowing on the strengths and compensating for the weaknesses of the two parties in the couple. And therefore, you can actually illustrate it with the famous triangle analogy. And this is so, so scary. I met a man today, lovely man, and I met his ex-wife a few weeks ago. There's a guy, in, there's a guy in, uh, that, that, that's studying with us in the program that I teach on, and he's a lovely guy, and I said to him, you know, he mentioned in the course of discussion that his parents were divorced. I said, when did they get divorced? He said, two years ago. I said, how long were they married for? He said, 27 years. I said, was it like really tough? He said, no, they had a brilliant marriage. So I said, well, what happened? So I'll tell you what happened, just let me show you my fingers. So you've got the, you've got the triangle. The triangle is... Let's say you've got two people who at the beginning of marriage are at the base of the triangle, very far away from one another. And they have a shared goal. Now, the, the visual illustration shows as they get closer to the goal, they actually get closer towards one another. Because since their values are aligned, so they're both trying to achieve their values and that unites them, that combines them, that fuses them. So when you have a shared goal, so then you get closer and closer towards one another as you get closer towards your goal, and therefore the distance between you actually disappears. Whereas if you have two people who are extremely close towards one another, and they get along fine, but they've got very different life goals, so the further they get along in life, the further away they get from one another. So that's what he says, but what happened to his parents? He said, it wasn't a bitter divorce. Just 27 years later, they had nothing in common. They had nothing to unite, unite them. They had nothing to bring them together. So they just like, she was very, very into philanthropic, philanthropic causes, and he was more of a homebody, and he just said, listen, he says, we've just got different lives. It's just got separate ways. It's re- in other words, that it's really scary. That's how they didn't even realize. That whole 27 years, that's how we just never realized. You know, that, that, that's what he says. It's kind of like it never, it, until it got to a point when it was like almost too far, they never like noticed it happening. It just happens gradually. Like she starts going to these events and she goes, and he says, I don't want to come. She says, Come on, you must come with me. And he says, I don't want to come. And then he comes because he wants to be a good guy. And then slowly but surely, and then he says, Listen, I just don't want, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to have this in my life. Well, i just say something to cheer you up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's, that's why, if you're working together as a single organism, there has to be a goal. Otherwise, not, otherwise you can't be. Otherwise, the whole, the whole means that marriage is an ends to doesn't... Why are you looking at me like that? Good? Yes? Okay, so just to summarize. Man separated and recombined in order to create a deeper connection. 
that deeper connection means that the relationship between you is not as two separate entities but as two parts of the same whole the two parts of the same whole is an organism which is there to bring something else which as separate beings you couldn't bring into the world and that's really what marriage facilitates good how are we doing for time? Is it time? 9.30 we're going until 9.30 okay good Good. So far, so good? Great. So let's go on to the next point. The next point is, um, when you're talking about this, there's, so that's point one. Point one is you have to, and I think it's, it's literally, practically speaking, this is something that husbands and wives should, should a, a lot of times it's almost unsaid, but it doesn't hurt to say it out sometimes, to make sure that the goals are aligned. And if the goals aren't aligned, to discuss the areas where they should be aligned or you know to at least get into discussion and to and to figure out where you're going and it comes into you know i think when you're having kids it's, it's, it's it kind of it helps that process a lot because you focus on the education of your kids and therefore that becomes a very powerful goal and if you're not having kids and you don't have kids so then it has to it has to be much more specific it has to be spoken out much more so whichever way you look at it it's crucial to speak it out and to be explicit about it because you don't want you don't want to just drift apart and that's why it's actually crucial that husband and wife, I personally think that the whole facility, you know, that's the advantage that people that subscribe to a Torah marriage has over any other marriage. A Torah marriage has an advantage because you have at least these major um, chunks of where you're going in life into are already there. Whereas if you're talking about a secular marriage, so people can have, I mean, I've, one of my brother's friends got divorced after a few years because he didn't want to have kids and she did. And like they never discussed it before they got married, and then it just became a point of contention. And, you know, it's just it's uh, so, so in the secular world that there's far more room for that to occur. At least in the Torah world, there's enormous amount which already combines you, and that's why the chances of a successful marriage are highly increased. But it's good to create awareness because the truth is, even if your goals are aligned generally, the more specific they can be the better off you are and the closer it brings you. It's essentially that goal alignment is the glue that sticks you together and essentially it's the most important part of the marriage because even if you've got diverse personalities and you've got um, difficulty in communication but if you're both striving to achieve the same thing so that ultimately assists in overcoming all the difficulties in between. But if you've got the closest relationship and the best communication and you've got different directions so then ultimately you move apart. Okay? So now let's go to the next thing. And this is, this is also a practical thing, but it's actually it's spoken out by the, by the Mephorashim. It says, A man should leave his mother and his father, and the commentators point out that you would think that the closest relationship you have is to your parents. Because after all, they're your flesh and blood, and they bore you. The other aspect of this new unified whole is no, there's no one closer in your life than your spouse. There's actually no one closer. And that's a huge thing. Because one of the greatest problems, especially in the initial years of marriage, of inter-spouse strife is in-law interference. And it's, 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 it's not... <laughs> in other words, it's a very difficult thing because parents are very connected to their children and children are very connected to their parents. And in the beginning parts of marriage, the natural, the natural reaction or the natural feeling is your connection to your parents is much greater than your connection to your spouse. 
Now, if your parents then like voice disapproval of something your spouse has done, that's going to be way more weighty in your mind than perhaps your connection to your spouse. So what? Your connection to your old reality to this new connection of this weird reality of the, of the, the, the right. spouse that you know that what different things are different ideas. In other words, it's unfamiliar. <coughs> Even if you don't get on with the parents, it's just like a different world. Absolutely. So your parents are always your greatest alliance and, and people that you could re- rely on. Yeah, so for sure. So it you makes sense to naturally... You know, gravitate towards them. So in other words, now you see why the verse says it. You know, the, 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 the Torah doesn't waste its words. It needs to tell you, okay, leave them. Because you wouldn't leave them otherwise. You would not leave them. You'd stay clinging to them and have to say to you, no, you actually have to form a brand new relationship and you have to cut that umbilical cord. In other words, when you're building a house, so a house has got walls, but it's also got a roof, which means the things above you have to be kept out. <laughs> that's, and, that's, that's the, you know, it's, and it's a tough thing because your parents mean well, but the minute it becomes a conflict, and it, it's halakhically as well, it's halakhically maintained. In other words, that you, there's no... There's no Mitzvah of kibbut avaim when it conflicts with the spouse. In halacha, in regard to a man, right? Yeah. But it's, it's true. It's true of a woman as well. <laughs> From halachic point of view, it's a different source. In other words, the a woman still has a sorry, a man still has a mitzvah of kibbut avaim. But if his mitzvah of kibbut avaim threatens his relationship with his wife. So then the, the, there's another klal. And the klal is, the klal is it's a, it's, it's ra- the Rambam says it in regard to the halachot of Chanukah. You've got enough money to buy either Shabbos candles or Chanukah candles. So Chanukah is, is, is a mitzvah that you have to sell your shirt to buy the candle. Assuming you've only got one shirt and you already used it. I don't know how you'll turn up in short, but it will be very impressive. Um, so you've sold your shirt to buy, to buy Shabbos candles, you've got nothing left. So you sold, you sold your shirt, you've got the money in your hand. What should you do? Chanukah is a once a year mitzvah. It comes along, it's, a mitzvah. it's an incredible mitzvah, or you can put a spin on the boiling Shabbos candles. So the is it's boiling Shabbos candles. Because the Rambam says that Shalom is the principle which underlies all of Torah. As it says, uh, so that's why in last week's parasha that you can erase Hashem's name for the sake of Shalom Bayit in other words in terms of Shalom Bayit it almost has on a hierarchy of values it's bordering on the supreme so therefore even though it's husband and wife and it's not your right the man's still obligating but where there's a conflict so then the principle of Shalom comes and trumps it good so I think that's, that, that's the next point. The first point is you forming a new entity, which has relevances in terms of the way you see di- differences, which has relevance in terms of your goal focus and where you're going, and also has relevance in terms of your relationship to your parents and to your in-laws. That you are now a single entity, and building your own home means that your decisions are amongst you and your husband, and your parents, you can listen to their advice, but they can't be guiding you when you're already in your home. And if you let that happen, it can be tremendously destructive to your marriage. And it's not the way marriage is meant to work. So, and it's a tough thing to do, but it's a crucial thing to do. Okay? Good. Let's go on to the next point. Um, and the next point is a little bit about creating that oneness. 
how did that oneness get created? So now there's an interesting Gemara in Sanhedrin. Um, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says the following. Okay, until now, any questions? Any insight? You said this was a far more chatty issue. Is it me? Is it, is it me that's creating the atmosphere? Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll go out for a few minutes. And leave me <laughs> She have the share in two sessions. I'll go, Dove and Mary, I'll come back. And then everyone will say, that's it, I didn't believe a word you said. Okay, <laughs> one Gemara. The Gemara says as follows. There was a man. How would the Hava come and sing Sanhedrin and Dav Zayin? Dav Azil. He came along and he said, Kirachimtin Hava when our love was strong, Aputya de Safsira Shechivan. We would be able to sleep on the blade of a dagger. Now that our love is not strong, a bed which is 60 amot, which is 30 meters wide, a big bed, is not big enough for us. So now, this is discussing a very interesting idea. It's the notion of space in a relationship. In other words, the blade of a knife is a very narrow surface. When the love is strong, so you can sleep on the blade of a knife. When your love is weak, so a bed which is from here to there isn't big enough for the both of you. So now, the way people relate to space is in the following way. I'm just going to speak, first of all, when you have two people that have physical form, both those people can't be in the same place at the same time because they push, push each other out. So two people can't sleep on the blade of a knife. There's not enough space. The only way you can get two people on the blade of the knife is if there's, they don't take up space when they're together. In other words, the notion of space is, the reason why when you have two things in, in space, physical space, that they collide, is because this has a form and that has a form. If neither of these things would have boundaries and um, a skin around it, so then they could mesh into one another. What stops people from from what creates separation are boundaries. When the boundaries are removed, so then you can fuse. So, the question is as follows. The idea of a love being strong means that the boundaries you create around yourself are dissipated. You open up. And that's interesting because the Pasuk, when it describes the obligation of a husband to his wife in the first year of marriage, so you imagine, so now you've got the first year of marriage, so how would the Torah frame it? Would it, say, would it say, you have to be really serious about your marriage in the first year? You have to really focus on it. It doesn't say that. It says you have to be a real giver in your first marriage. It doesn't say that. It says one thing. It says, Make your wife happy. Now that's such a strange way of creating a bond, one would think. But actually it's not. Because what happens when you're happy is, you let go. The Baratanya says that the mid... It's, first of all, it's, 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 it's your body language expresses it. When a person's happy, you extend your limbs. As opposed to when you're sad, you're depressed, you contract yourself. You try to suck into yourself. When you're happy, you let yourself open up. When you open up so that other people can come inside of you, you can connect to them, you can let them inside. When you're on edge, so then you, 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 you shut them out. So the idea of building that closeness means that you have to somehow break down the barriers of Hello. 
<laughs> That's a hundred minutes. Five minutes left. There's five minutes left, and in the last five minutes, we're going to discuss the secret of marriage and everlasting happiness. I knew it. I knew it was worth <laughs> So the secret of marriage and everlasting happiness is as follows: It's a good morning sanhedrin. That says we. No, of course not. I wouldn't joke about that. A Gemara said that when, when, when love is strong, the husband and wife can sleep on the blade of a sword, on the edge of a dagger. And when it's, when it's weak, so even a bed which is 60 amot wide isn't enough to hold him. 30 meter bed is not enough. So the idea is that when a person is, when they create boundaries around themselves, I'll explain a little bit more what that means, so you can't connect to someone else. In order to connect, you have to let down your guard. There's recently, which I think it corresponds with, uh, actually an excellent. Okay, I, th- I think it's an illustration of this idea. There's, an, yeah, there's a, the 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 way that a person, it's, and it's it's a subcategory of what we began discussing every Muna. A person opens up when you make yourself vulnerable. That's the only way you can actually get love. If a person doesn't make themselves vulnerable, they can never have connection. The vulnerability is allowing someone else into suicide yourself and that's dangerous because you have to open yourself up in that process but if you don't do that so the more you protect yourself and the more you try to shut it off because you don't want to let them into the real self because you're scared so then ironically it backfires and you can't have a connection so when you open up yourself in other words when you create vulnerability when you when when you have the confidence and that's what the m is when you have the confidence that if you expose yourself and you open yourself up in terms of vulnerability that it won't be devastating so that openness creates connection and when you have that connection so then the space needed to to occupy is far less in a, in a metaphorical sense in other words you don't need you don't need everything because you're open I mean you're open so then two people can stand in the same space and they don't bump into each other but if I've got all these issues around myself and I can't be vulnerable, so then you're bumping into each other the whole time and you need a lot of space because I want to keep on colliding. So I think that's, that, that, that's the simach is sure that you, you create this openness and happiness and an environment of simcha that allows a person to connect. But that sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to do because it requires an honesty and acceptance of self and a faith in your own self. You have to have faith in yourself to be vulnerable. If you think that right deep down there's this dark me that if anyone gets a glimpse of, they'll run a mile, so then it doesn't work. You actually have to have deep faith inside of yourself that beneath it all there's something which is really good and precious and you can open yourself up because you're not worried. Okay? So to summarize, to summarize, you're getting the best part of it, you don't have to sit through all of it. Um, we said that, that man and male and female were created as a single being, separated, because it wasn't good that we're single, and then commanded to reunite. Because when there's a real distance between you, and you maintain the faithfulness, even though there's obstacles getting in the way, it's a much deeper connection when, than when you have to be together. So the nature of marriage is a connection which is brought about, the separation creates the closeness, ironically. That closeness creates a single being, the single being then relates to its two parties 
the fact that their differences enhances the connection. It doesn't 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 um, take away from the connection. That connection has to have a focus, a joint goal alignment, which will bring about a fusion between the two entities, and that joint goal alignment is enhanced by the vulnerability which allows the honest and connective relationship to occur in the context of marriage. Good? So this is where I step out and Tashana takes over. Okay. So, uh, you, you know, the practically, you want to ask practical questions? Okay, yeah. that's all the theory. Okay. Practically, no, I'm, I'm ready. No, like, She's a practical one, remember? No, like, like it's all very, you know, to say, like, and it's, of course, and we all know that it's true that, you know, someone else's strengths and another person's weaknesses can work together. But there are certain things that are very frustrating in day to day living with another person. Yes. That is not necessarily your you're necessarily going to be able to bring a positive, like, to complement each other on it. Like, if someone never puts their socks in the wrong basket. Exactly. Where's if they never wash them, the toothpaste out from the seat. It's the same idea. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Okay, so there, there's two points, right? Got it. There's two points in differences. There are differences which aren't, which aren't, like, negative behaviours. They're just differences, meaning someone can be someone can be practical someone can be abstract so those differences so these are those are the easy parts you introducing a whole new topic what happens when your husband does things which are extremely annoying and there's not your husband not your husband sorry sorry your husband what happens when, when your husband when your husband doesn't put his clothes, doesn't put his socks in the laundry. Uh, do you want other examples? Hey? What? Do you want other examples? Um, I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then the husband complains. Um, what do you do when a wife is always nagging me to put my socks in the laundry? <laughs> 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 that's 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 like you made me there. <laughs> 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 I just want to just clarify this whole laundry issue. Isn't <laughs> I thought the laundry box could be anywhere where your clothes landed. Isn't that true? <laughs> That's how they raised in South Africa. You put your clothes on the floor and then they land <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They turn your eyes. It's not just my so yeah, first of all, I think I, no, I think it's important that women realize that. No, women should realize that like it's, there's one big laundry box. Sorry. <laughs> good. 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 Whole new topic. Uh, it's a whole new topic, right? Until now, we've been discussing in the grander sense of being what's marriage trying to do. Now we're doing on a much on a different thing, a, di- a different topic. The topic is how do you deal with annoying behaviors that your spouse has when they are just simply destructive and they have, <laughs> they have no meaning or bearing and they're just annoying and horrible. And what do you do about that? So what do we do about that, Shoshana? <laughs> <laughs> hey? No, I don't think that's what I said. I think it could have been projection. 
What do you What do you do? What do you do when your husband does annoying things? How do you deal with it? Scream at the window. doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Next option. So I, I think that this is where this is where the whole um, the whole creating this is this is this is where giving comes in. In other words, giving comes in is the, by giving I mean this is where the the difficulty of self sacrifice occurs. Didn't you say making a woman happy? <laughs> well, no, I never meant to worry about making Only Shana and Shana. Right, for Simachi. Shana and Shana. So? 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 Shana and Shana. It's meant to set the tone, and that's meant to. Right, we're not still treating us over here. You just learn these things, right? Isn't that the? Isn't that the? So, so, okay. So, I'll tell you what. Fortunately, Baruch Hashem, we're running out of time. So maybe the topic for next week's share will be resolving difficulties which come up in relationships whereby there's like the silly difficulties. Maybe the men should come next week. Yeah. No, no, because I think if we can work on the women, we could solve this problem completely. <laughs> or we could just tell the men because they're soft. No, I think I think if we can actually yeah, find like. <laughs> so I think I think if we can if we can actually find a viable solution to dealing with the soft problem, I think we could make some serious progress. Um, <laughs> so I think the soft problem could be the yeah could be the beginning of a whole yeah could be. So maybe next week's show will be focusing on the soft problem. Okay. I'll, I'll do like a lot of research for men as well in the interim and like try to see the underlying reasons of why men don't put socks in the I laundry. Actually, I actually, if the clothes aren't in the wash, they just don't get washed. That's such a brilliant time. And when he comes to me and he says, I don't have any clean socks, I go, it does work. He did his own laundry the other day. He actually socks. He didn't have any socks. He didn't put them in the Like I'm thinking to myself, so you'll wear dirty socks. <laughs> so what's the big deal? You don't really need socks washed, you only do it to keep your wife happy anyway. I do the washing because I do the washing so if I pick up my clothes like I don't need to care <laughs> <laughs> other people's clothes so for me the socks are going to be yeah okay so to next week's year please God is uh, the sock issue the sock issue okay great thank you